0: We'll wow. Welcome to the CMU Now Podcast Special Edition. I'm Caitlin Birdsall along with my co host David Ludlam. We're excited to have CMU President Tim Foster on the show today. So, with his retirement at the end of June, you might expect us to recount the highlights of the 17 years of him leading the helm of Colorado Mesa University, Western Colorado Community College, and Montrose Campus. But today we want to talk less about Tim Foster, the CMU president, and more about Tim Foster, the person. So, David, oh, well, I'm going to throw it over to you.
1: Speaking of the person, you- President Foster, you have a, a big personality and obviously a big persona here in town, but at one point you were little. Tell us about what it was like growing up. Uh, where did you grow up and where did you fit in the family? And what were you like as a kid? <laughs> and I
2: mean a little kid, elementary okay, school. Okay, I didn't yeah. know that that's what we were doing today, but- um, yeah, That's what we're doing. You know, interestingly enough, um, and my mom, uh, before she passed away, would not drive by our house. Uh, we, I, I was born in a little house over on Bunting. Uh, and like, uh, I think it's 13th or 14th and Bunting, little stucco. And we used to come over here when they built Heine Hall. Um, we used to ride bikes up and over the dirt mound that was Heine Hall. It was kind of funny, but anyway, I grew up in a family of seven. Uh, I was number three. Um, I'm really the middle child cause everybody, I get along with everybody. Uh, but as I tell my kids, uh, all the time, you know, cause they always, Oh, what was it like when you were young? And I like, guys, don't ask those stories, because what we used to do, you go to jail for today. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know more. <laughs> I think <laughs> because, my dad has some of those. Similar it, it, stories, it is. It is just a le- much less um, understanding society that we live in today for people to make mistakes. And you know, I mean, I was shocked to find out the school district of young men get in, in fights, fist fights. Everybody gets an assault uh, charge uh, criminally, and it's like come on guys, boys are going to bump a little bit and that's just going to be the nature of the beast. But anyway, um, we rode our bikes everywhere in town and played every sport known to man. I think my mom believed in trying to wear us out so (laughs) we wouldn't get in any trouble. And I think sports generally kept us out of most of the trouble we would have gotten into.
1: So I've heard you talk about your mom before, and and your dad was a community leader. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your parents. What were they like, and what did they mean to your development as as becoming a leader yourself?
2: They were very interesting and different people. My dad um, was raised as a Baptist up in, the, in Wyoming, in Laramie, Wyoming. Um, very rough and tumble, golden gloves boxer, and and uh, worked on the railroad, Went to law school. Back then, if you were a Wyoming resident and graduated from the University of Wyoming, they had to accept you into the law school. And the dean of the law school uh, met him at the front door and told him, if we didn't have to accept you, we would not. He graduated second or third in his class, and the dean said, Oh, congratulations. And I don't think my dad was that nice to him in terms of saying, you didn't think I could do this. Um, but he met my mom because he was in the National Guard. My mom hailed from Nashville, Tennessee, very genteel, Southern woman. Um, work moved up to Laramie. Funny story, my grandmother took the train out when my dad graduated from law school. And, uh, you know, my relatives up there were, were hell-raising, whiskey-drinking, Wyomites. Um, and so she did not stay for graduation. She left, she rode the train up, left the next day and said, I will never come back to the West again. And she never did. Um, we'd go visit her in Nashville, but she thought we were just way too wild out here. But my mom sort of counterbalanced my dad. Um, she was raised as a Catholic in Nashville, um, which, you know, in, in those days with the KKK was a minority, you know, she, she went to a Catholic school and that you had the black part of town and the Catholic part of town. And, you know, the only people she knew were the Murphys and the Sullivans and the Evans and all the Irish Catholics in um, Nashville. But she she just had those sayings of, she'd tell me, you're nicest to the people you like least. And you kind of go, all right, mom, I can be civil to people I really don't like. I really can't be nice. And I certainly can't be nicest. That's just not in my DNA. And so you can see that sort of um, yin and yang uh, between the two of them.
0: I feel like that's usually... With most parents, too. Maybe not most parents, but that's my experience, too, is that my dad was kind of the rough and tumble, you know, grew up one of six, single oh, yeah. mom. And so they were out kind of raising hell most of the time. And then my mom was one of 11, big Catholic family. And she's literally the most gentle soul you'll ever meet and like the most selfless person. And they just balanced each other, I feel like, really well. And I'm thankful for that because I feel like me and my sisters now are the product of.
2: And my dad was an only child, right? And so he marries this woman from, and and he said he hated being an only child. And so he wanted a big family. So clearly a good Catholic family. And he converted to Catholicism. He used to make my mom mad because he said, you know, in the Baptist religion, you sin and you're going to hell. And he said, in the Catholic religion, you sin, you got to go to confession, you're forgiven and you can (laughs) sin again. And my mom would get so mad and say, that's not the purpose of confession. And he would just tease her that way about why it was great to be a Catholic.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like you were obviously pretty close with your family, but I believe that, you know, after being raised here in the Grand Valley, you did end up moving away for a while. What what made you want to get out of the Grand Valley for a little bit? Or what was that drive that made you leave here?
2: You know, you just think about um, when I was in high school, there were a small number of us and, and it's part of, there were kids I think of in high school way smarter than I am that never went to college, never thought about going to college, just such an underutilization of talent. Um, but fortunately, you know, it was clear to me I was going to go to college. And so it's it's crazy. You think about it. Um, so back then, they had a, I played football and swam and all those sorts of things. And so they had a, uh, it was clear I wanted to go to an Ivy League school. And so I applied to Amherst and Brown. And then my high school coach grew up in Ohio and said, you need to apply to Kenyon. Um, he his comment was, I wasn't smart enough to get in there, but it's, it's an Ivy League S school. So they had a scout that would come out, um, and scouted for all the Ivies and, uh, no safety school, you know, th- three of the 10 hardest schools to get into at the time. Uh, got into all three of them, never visited, you know, you just sorta, and sure enough, the the football coach from Kenyon called and was t- telling me how much they wanted me. And I'm, oh, I'm getting <laughs> recruited. So off I went, I went to Ohio sight unseen from Grand Junction and you know, uh, Kenyon's in the kind of rolling hills in the Ohio River Valley. Mm-hmm. That is a totally different place. And all these kids from the East Coast, New York and Connecticut, you know, there's a Solomon from Solomon Brothers. There was a Cabot from Henry Cabot Lodge. I mean, all these folks. And I'm just going, oh, my God, I don't – I didn't know how to tie a tie. Mm-hmm. You know, and they have a, we had a, a uh, formal – formal to me was your best 501 <laughs> jeans and a nice shirt that you'd actually – Maybe put an iron on, and they're no. You got to have a tie, and I go. I don't. Own, I don't own a tie, and those prep school kids are looking and going. What do you mean you don't own a tie? Well, I got a clip on. <laughs> How <laughs> long did it amazing. take you to feel comfortable there? Ah, uh, you know, it was interesting. It was. It was a good experience. There were more foreign students at that school than kids west of the Mississippi, hmm. um, and so it was. It was an education. It's a cultural education. A lot of the things we talk about with kids from varying backgrounds. You know, you just learn so much um, from being around those folks. And I'll never, I had a really, one of my best friends was a young man who grew up in the Bronx, right? So pretty rough and tumble. Um, And we were down at a frat party and some kid got in my face and F-bombed me a couple times. So, you know, okay. And I'll let him have it. And all these kids were like, w- "Why did you do that? You hit him!" And <laughs> you know, and I'm going, well, "Where I come from, you start doing that, we're gonna throw hands." I'm sorry, and thankfully, Rod O'Connor, my friend from the Bronx, said, "Hey, where I come from too, you guys, you don't get to do that. This is so." Did you get in trouble? Uh, we were, I was on super secret probation the first week I was there. <laughs> Did your mom know about this? Then I was yeah. on probation. <laughs> yeah, no. My my parents had no idea. I was so far away that they they had no concept. <laughs> was your mom proud
1: of you though? For You said she came from a genteel family and you got into a great school. Was she proud of that? I
2: that think company? so. I think so. You know, my seven kids, you know, there's a lot going on. And so, and and my siblings were off doing, you know, my sister was at Colorado College and my brother was at the University of Wyoming and my younger sister, way smarter, probably the smartest kid in our family was off to Stanford. So they were all, it's a pretty competitive household. Yeah. Well, so uh, I wanted to ask you
1: about uh, discipline. So I think a lot of people know that you have a pretty regimented schedule with your physical health, you cycle, you swim. Um, and no matter how stressful your, your job has been or, or what elected office you were in, you've always been committed to that. and. And maybe we don't talk about discipline that much, but what has that meant to your life and, and related to your ability to be so successful in your jobs is, is being physically fit and being committed to that? And why are you committed to that?
2: You know, it, it's, it's as much one just feeling good, but it's a stress reliever um, for me. Uh, when I was in Denver at the commission, you know, I would ride my bike home and I don't care how tumultuous the day had been, you know, you sort of burn it out. Um, getting that kind of exercise, and so um it's just really helpful i think and then I could get home and and be a normal person and not be you know kicking the dog and being tough on kids and so it it's just a it it helps me sort of keep an even keel when I interviewed here um people said well, you know, kind of what's your biggest shortcoming or weakness or whatever. And I said, I have an Irish temper Um and all my siblings have Irish temper <laughs> <laughs> and it's bad when they go off. And I said, so my goal is not to not to lose it. So for 17 years, knock on wood, I have not had an Irish temper moment. Now somebody, I said that to somebody the other day. No, I saw you. And I said, no, what you saw was very, of <laughs> the iceberg of the oh, Irish temper. It, it, you've seen Irish... <laughs> Irish tempers are bad when they go. And so it, it's one of those things you just got to, okay, I'm not going to go totally crazy. So you so you swim to keep that, that Irish temper <laughs> in check. Swim and ride my bike. And, and, and so then when I get home, you know, you, you meet your spouse and, and your kids and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've just had a horrible day. People, you know, things not going well, but... Kind of clear your mind and it's all good.
0: Yeah. So speaking of family, so I know obviously you're married and have four, four kiddos and I'm a new mom myself. I have a little nine month old at home. And, you know, it's funny, as soon as we had her, the question is next of, Oh, are you having another one? And how many more are you going to have? And so I would just be curious uh, for you, what made you guys decide to have four kids? Is it because you grew up in a large family? Is it just kind of happened? Um, Because like I said, I know I get that question a lot of how many kids, because I feel like that really impacts every other facet of your life.
2: You know, um, I I would have done two, um, but we had two boys and Mm -hmm. my wife really wanted a girl. (laughs) And we we all know how that works out (laughs) usually. (laughs) So we did three and then we actually sat and had a very, really, you know, when you're doing kids, you don't really plan that out. Okay. Three kids, two adults, We fit in any car, you know, all the pragmatic things. It's great. Um, Her counterbalance was, yeah, but three, somebody's always an odd man out, right? But at the end of the day, we agreed to three kids. Well, somehow she ended up pregnant a fourth time. And I'll (laughs) never forget, we were leaving. We were at the Avalanche when they're in the Stanley Cup, and we're driving away from the stadium. and, and, And you get this. So if I told you I was pregnant, what would you say? And your first inclination is, look, we talked about this 10 times. But it's like, I don't think this is an idle question. Mm-hmm. Oh, it would be a blessing, sweetheart. <laughs> <Smart> <laughs> Thank <man. laughs> God that was the answer. Because I looked over and she's just like crying and I'm going, okay, so we are pregnant. Good. Great. Let's go. And you know what? It The fourth is a blessing and it's been great. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: it's interesting. David and I have talked about kiddos because he obviously has two. And as mm-hmm. I'm thinking about potentially having another one, he's like, but it doesn't double the work. Like you think you have another kid, so it's going to be 50% more work or a hundred percent more work. But he's like, it's like 10%. Cause they you're already doing you what you're doing right now. Yeah, and yeah. I,
2: <laughs> my mom, you know, mother of seven used to say, you know, if you go past two, they sort of take care of each other. Mm-hmm. And they, and so it actually lightens your load. And so said, w- once you, once you go to three, go to 10. And I'm going, <laughs> uh, oh, I'm not sure I want to go to 10. Yeah. Lena Elliot would say, go to 11, you know, but yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know if I'd be quite ready for 10 or 11, yeah. but maybe two. We'll see. W-
2: what's it like, uh, the empty nest thing for you and your wife now? You know, um, it, it's, it's different. Um, I think we do more things together. Um, she's able to come to more things and, and, uh, We're working on what 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 things can we do? You know, I keep saying you want to ride bikes, and she's like, "I'm not going to ride bikes." (laughs) Um, So, it's 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 fun, and we are gonna. I think we'll do more trips and those sorts of things. Um, Our kids, we're close with our children, and so they cycle home um, on a not irregular basis. And with four of them, you get enough of them coming and going. she still gets tearful every time they leave, which is like, come on, honey, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> Any grandkids on the horizon, you think? You I keep wondering yeah, and yeah. asking, but I I've, I've learned I got to quit because, you know, they'll do what they do when they do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I know that that was always nice with my mom and dad. Never pressured us. We always, you know, knew they wanted grandbabies, but they've been really good about letting us each do it in our own time. Well, I've
2: made the mistake of pressuring and yeah. being told by Lisa, "You yeah. gotta quit, you gotta stop like, that." Okay, I'll stop.
0: Yeah, me and I'm I'm one of four, so I have three sisters. So luckily, my mom now has the three grandbabies from my oldest sister and then mine. So she's slowly getting her fix of there grandkids. So, well,
1: what about your? So you've you've spent most of your adult life in pub public life mm-hmm. uh, as an elected official now as a university president. And I think part of that is that people always want something from you. You know, I mean, they're coming to your office cause they have something to ask of you or they want something from you and you're going to get to be out of public life for a while. Um, maybe forever, depending on what you do next. What, how, what would that be like for you to, to be able to do your own thing and not have people come coming to you, you know, a hundred times a day wanting something from you.
2: You know, I don't mind that the, uh, you know, that sort of thing, because I think it's fun to be able to help and, and, and agree and make things happen. It is the, the you know, it used to be the newspaper. Now it's social media. And, you know, when I, I had a break between being in the legislature and joining Bill Owen's cabinet, and so I went from reading the news, editorial page, and then the sports page. For a year, I went straight to the sports page and then read out, right, right? Um, And so I anticipate being able not to worry about somebody's going to pop off about something that we've done, something, who knows, on social or worrying about what the newspaper, the television station is going to do or say or misconstrue. Um, And so I think that's the nicest part is just, you know what, and if you call and I want to know this, it's like, you know what, (laughs) I don't even have to call you back, Yeah. much less I, I don't have to answer any of your questions. Really?
0: Yeah, that freedom will probably be a little bit nice. I can only imagine how many people are coming to you, especially with problems. You know, you're a problem solver, a decision maker, and maybe just getting a little bit of a break from that, I'm sure will be nice. So as we kind of get to the end of our time with you today, I'd be curious to know, we've kind of talked about a lot, and it's been really interesting for me to get to know a little bit more about you personally, but maybe what's one thing about you that would surprise people, or maybe they wouldn't know about you? I feel like we've talked about a lot today that has been interesting to me and some some things that I have not known about you hmm.
2: I don't know um, and do you
0: like pineapple on your pizza something as simple as that or have <laughs> don't you been skydiving pizza. lots of times that's like your secret passion that nobody knows about yeah.
2: that's an interesting question um i don't know, um I read a lot, I read a ton uh you know we I grew up in an area we used to in the summertime, you know you'd go to the library and check out a book and just read uh voraciously and i I love to read um interesting as you have kids and you want them to read come on read, read um and so but i'm not i don't know i don't know what really what that would be um it is interesting, uh, you know. When I was young and in political office, I've you think you know a lot when you're thirty years old, twenty nine years old, whatever year it is, and you just learn a lot more. And you and I think um, slowing down a little bit has been good for me. And and I'm not, I'm not sure people appreciate that you know it's not just always quick decisions, um, but try and trying to to be more thoughtful. I'm still pretty, if it's in my head, it comes out my mouth. <laughs> I can't tell it's you, served I mean, you
1: pretty well so far.
2: Yeah, you know, not always. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times I say something and then you go, okay, probably shouldn't have said that, but- It's also human nature. I, I don't know. I don't know what you all would find interesting that I do that. Do you think you'll miss public life? I'll miss the campus and I'll miss the people and the students, you know, I mean, the campus, this is a cool place and it'll be interesting to drive by and not, I don't have a parking space. I don't have an office, <laughs> yeah. you know, and and just the interaction with students is so much fun. Um, but. Oh, Caitlin, I've, uh, before
1: we wrap up, I did want to talk about one more thing before we sure. let the president go. Yeah. So President Foster, one of the things that I think a lot of people do know about you is that you're, you're great with kids. Uh, I've seen you with my kids. I've seen you with many other people's kids. Um, and I mean, you know, from five probably to 25. And um, you're great with them. People have observed that. What is it about kids that you ch- cherish or re- revere so much? And uh, do you have? is there something in your future that, I don't know, could have something to do with kids? And what? why are you so good with them?
2: I'm probably having, you know, four younger brothers and sisters, you know, and, and growing up in that era. And then, you know, uh, having great coaches and mentors uh, over over years um but kids are just they're funny they're just so funny and you know with with uh the children of people who work here it's like being a grandparent right mm-hmm. you you get to play with them a little bit fill them full of sugar and send them home um i i enjoyed coaching i coached all the way up and and through high school and and every now and then I'll we'll go coach Older guys, and it's just they're just funny, and and I I get a chuckle out of them, and and you know they they're kids are good-hearted, they are just and they're right there, they're just in the moment, mm-hmm. they're gonna tell you what they think, you know they really are, and so I just I enjoy, and they know you know kids are like animals, know if you like them or don't like them, and mm-hmm. I think they respond in kind. My kid, my I, I'll see a kid out, and, and you know. They're kinda of look confused or whatever and I'll talk to them. and my it drives my children crazy. So, <laughs> and then and then they'll see it, you know, coming. I'll I i i gonna say something to a little boy or a little girl who or, you know, or up to whatever age, and they're like, Dad, don't don't that's so creepy. Just don't say anything. And I said they, I like kids and kids like me. They do. Yeah. And they respond well and they go, It's just just please don't say anything.
1: And so I, there's caitlin there's been so many times i'll we'll take the the girls to a game
2: mm-hmm.
1: and like no you can't have a sprite no you can't have pizza and i look up like where are the kids and they're over with the president and getting the sprite <laughs> getting pizza. And getting, yeah, they, oh, they love it they've come back with mav horns and i've seen him do that with so many kids i think a lot of people around here appreciate that about you so it i was curious about it. yeah all
0: right well i think that's about all for me today anything else from you david
1: oh thanks for taking time yeah. with us
0: here Thank, Thank you so you much for the
2: surprise attack. <laughs> yeah. at yeah, we didn't want to say, give you any questions. What is this know. thing on my calendar? Mm-hmm. And she goes, "I'll find out." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't you worry.
1: We so you covered your childhood. Yeah, and, and, uh-huh. and moving away from college, the Grand Valley, your, your
0: family life, a little bit of faith. It was a good ambush. That. Yeah. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. All right. So this was our special edition of the CMU Now podcast with CMU President Tim Foster. Check out other CMU Now podcasts at coloradomesa.edu forward slash now, or check us out on Spotify by searching for Colorado Mesa University.